okay, man, there's a game that sits on your shelf when I come to your house. It says risk. It doesn't say safety. That sounds like a very boring game to me. Yeah, exactly. That's why we call it risk. (laughs) (laughs) And how you win risk is actually by risking, taking a risk. Yeah. Yes. So it sounds really funny. It's like, I don't think a game called safety would be considered like a bestseller at all. In those games, any type of game, you're taking a risk of some kind in order to achieve the goal. And there is no such thing as no risk in any situation. It's just kind of what we've maybe held dear or that we're familiar with. We go, oh yeah, well that's just that. But we have to realize that risk is all around us and we actually exercise bravery and faith more often than we probably realize in our everyday life. So think on this, think about some of your own situations as we launch out onto the loop and discuss the illusion of safety on Curiosity Continuum. everybody, this is Josh. And this is Brian. Thank you for joining us today on Curiosity Continuum. For those of you tuning in for the first time, Curiosity Continuum is a podcast and movement started by two lifelong friends who want to spark your curiosity, help you integrate information, and enhance your everyday contextual awareness in a constantly changing world by sharing conversations with you that explore, examine, and reframe common practical topics. And if you want to receive updates when new content's available, please be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you can receive notifications when there's something new to listen to. This is how we find new listeners. We appreciate you engaging with us and sharing your own conversations with friends and help us explore our topics together and, and get this conversation out to more and more people. And as always, you guys can find us on curiositycontinuum.com. From there, you can link out to all of our socials, and we really thrive on your feedback. We really hope to hear from you so we can start a conversation soon. So, Josh, today as we talk about like the illusion of safety or the aversion of risk, there's a lot of people, especially I think as we've come into 2020, where we've seen uh, unexpected tragedies come in where, where people's lives have ended a lot shorter than what we had hoped they would be or what they thought would be. And people are faced with this in their, in their everyday life in smaller circles, maybe not as public. But these are things that happen or there's uh, maybe a sudden job loss or something like that. There's risk that happens all around us. And so often these things are not in our control and they're not even something that we could even like stop if, yeah. we, if we wanted yeah. to. We're, well, we're not, they're not in control. And that's the whole thing, I think, about life. Like people want to, you know, you want to mitigate the risk as much as you possibly can. People like to be comfortable. At least I do. I mean, like when I come home from work, I just like to kind of like hang out, you know? I mean, if yeah. I could do that all day and pay my bills, I would. <laughs> we now, you now know Josh's goal for the next uh, 2020 20 year right here to be able to be able to do those kind of things. Um, let's talk about risk, though. So right. if you had to define risk, Josh, we can look at the dictionary and say this is what it is. But like, tell me something that's risky to you, like in your life, about how you you have kind of, uh, you know, settled into your life right now. What's a risk that seems kind of big to you or something go like that seems risky to me? Um. I think it's when I start thinking about any kind of like income changes or changing my vocation, like what I decided to do kind of for a living, even though Mm -hmm. I think about it all the time, I'm thinking, you know what, that would be interesting to do. And I think I'd really love it. It is kind of a scary proposition for me. And I think a lot of people do it because I've been doing what I've 
what I really do for my, my bread and butter, kind of, you know, my nine to five, I would call it, or my nine to nine or whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> I've been doing that for 17, almost 18 years now. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like I've fallen comfortable into that rhythm. And there's a, there's a comfort in the familiarity. Right. You know, even I, I know as uh, some of the listeners may have heard in previous podcasts and stuff, we've talked a little bit about some of those dynamics, like in the different uh, you know, work and professional environments that Josh and I find ourselves in. And I know like years ago, I was engaged to the wrong girl. Josh knows who this person is. <laughs> you know, he, he lived there as my, as a dear friend to me and helped me on the other side of this thing, which was really good for me. That relationship was not the right relationship. And you know, when I ended it, I absolutely 100% knew it was the right thing to do, but I still grieved it. And I still cried right. about it. Like the day that happened because it, I almost wanted to go back to it because it felt familiar. And so even though this would have been a disastrous situation for both me and her, there was almost like a, a, a sense of comfort because you knew it, even if it was crazy and not the right thing. There's almost like a, a sense of um, like you almost take a breath to go, OK, well, I know that this will be like this. Like you're looking for some kind of constancy in those situations. Well, even though there's it's a you know, it's risk to leave it. There's comfort in there's comfort in the dysfunction. And I, I do think that there's comfort in a lot of things, even if like you're in a bad relationship, you're at a bad job. You know what you're getting into every day. You know, when you're going there. You know, even like people who get, you know, like divorced, like there's uh, at my work, there's somebody that's divorced that actually built a house behind her ex-husband, which I think is weird. And they get along well, which is really interesting to me. And her ex-husband, yeah, her ex-husband, they don't have kids together or anything, which is even more interesting to me because they're not like forced to see each other. But they choose to. They choose to. And then her ex-husband is like remarried. It's like a very weird dynamic, which I don't know if I could do. But it, you know, pers- on a personal level, I don't think I could do that. But there's comfort there, I think, for them because they know each other. And they were married for right. quite quite a, a large amount of years. Sometimes there's a, a dynamic change. I know that I have uh, my aunt who recently went through a divorce after over five decades of marriage. And it just was the thing where, you know, when you're young, you don't always see the dynamics that happen in relationships when you're a child and growing up and stuff like that but a big life change I mean I mean even though it was the right thing for them to do it was still like they still talk on the phone just because there's familiarity and all that kind of stuff and um there's there's a lot of actually I don't think people realize the amount of bravery or um I'll call it's brave it's really bravery like when you get out of situations like that that's a big move for somebody because like from the outside looking at it, it's like, well, why didn't you do that earlier? Right. It's, it's like, not that easy. <laughs> it's not that easy no. because it's way more emotionally involved in those things. And should our emotions affect our decisions? Like as far as like the core thing that we're relying on to do? No. And emotions aren't bad, but they also too, you can, you can really firmly believe a deception. Like this is a good situation or I'm trying to make a good situation. And in reality, it's really not a good situation. Yeah. So, so that's the risk there. The risk is because, to change your situation. Right. And people are comfortable where they're at. So that's part of the reason people don't want to change. <laughs> right. Because it's juxtaposed like, well, I know this. Right. The Some unknown people too, is a risk. And that's, I think that's what we're really getting at here is that the, it's the risk of unknown because 
unfortunately, I don't know about you, Brian, but I can't see the future. And um, neither could uh, my psychic friend in California since they went bankrupt. But <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like we can't we don't know the outcome. Everybody's like, well, no. if I would have known I would have made a million dollars, I would have done that. Well, of course you would have. Everybody would have. And then everything right. would be super expensive because everybody would be rich. And so here's here's an interesting concept. Um, I follow Sarah Blakely, who is the CEO of Spanx on LinkedIn. Right. And I really like what she has to say. She's just a few years older than Josh and I, and she's done m marvelous, miraculous things in the world of business, especially when it comes to women's shapewear and things. And um, she tells a story where, when she, I think she was trying to get into Macy's, I believe. I, I, forgive me for if I got the store wrong, but I believe it was Macy's um, or Nordstrom or something like that. And she went and called people. I said, like, hey, I'd like to talk to you. I'm Sarah Blakely. Can I have just a moment of your time? She said that because she didn't know that it wasn't what you're supposed to do, she just did that. There were product vendors who have been trying for years to, to go get to in <laughs> conferences, spent thousands of dollars to send a team to like, you know, the trade shows and do things and try to get two minutes of their time as they're walking the exhibition hall and stuff. And they're like, how did you get into these people? She goes, I called them. And she didn't mean it like in a smug way. But right. She Sounds said like, condescending. I, yeah. But she said like, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to do that. She goes, I, like, why wouldn't I talk to somebody? Like, I want to get my product there. I want to talk to them. But to the to the other product vendors who are trying to get their stuff into the department stores, it was risky just to call somebody. It's like, I've had this too. Like, you got to make a phone call and the phone starts breathing at you. Right. <laughs> it's almost like, it's a, it's, oh, it's crap. Stressful. Yeah. It grows big and hairy and it takes, starts to take up the room. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so terrible. Now, for those of you who are really comfortable just making phone calls, you know, I'm not uncomfortable making phone calls, but... Like, it's not like I actively seek out making phone it calls. Is, it is. It is almost. Yeah, exactly. And I know like my wife will do almost anything not to talk on the phone. You know? My wife, too. Yeah. She loves text. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, they're, you, they don't really have to talk to you, but they're still talking to you and all that stuff. But like, I'll even equate this to when you're younger. And like, if you are, you know, you want to ask somebody out on a date, you know, or you want to go do something with somebody that you normally wouldn't do. As you hype yourself up to that moment, it seems like it's so big. It's so, you know. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And it's this weight that comes on you. And it's that risk. It's the, because it's like the fear of rejection, which is a risk. You're taking a risk. You know, you're putting yourself out there. So you're saying, you know, you're like calling up a girl or whatever. And you're asking or you ask her at school to go out on, like to a dance or whatever. Yeah, there's, there's always a chance she can start laughing at you and say no. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a crushing <laughs> blow to, especially if it's in public for a dude at that age. It's yeah. like, you know, I just totally got laughed out the room. It's like, oh, yeah, you know. That's why I just prefer the non-risk of nothing. You know, <laughs> no, but, but no, I mean, but that's what a lot of people would opt to. Yeah, but the reward is high. You get to go. You get to go experience something else that you might not have if you didn't ask. Yeah. So this is the same thing with this whole story that you told. It is. And so like, let, let's go back and like, so here's the other piece of it too. Like when you finally get up the nerve, like both Josh and I have been married for many years now and we, you know, we are, are of the mindset. We're the kind of men that want to dedicate our lives to learning how to love one woman really well. Like that's our goal in life. You yep. know, I'll let it's you not know to be when like, I get there. 
<laughs> when you're listening to this podcast in another 40 years, we'll, we'll count tales of how we're starting to get the hang of it, yeah. you know? I told if that's my wife is a whole different story. I don't ever get the hang of it. So, <laughs> so at some point, Mel and Sabrina are going to probably hijack this podcast and they're going to talk about us and you get a whole nother perspective on us with everything. Right. Um, but you know, we, Josh and I took the risk of, of asking those people out, Mel and Sabrina respectively. And you know, we've been married and anybody who's been married for any length of time knows like, this is not like the, the like the fairy tale ending with happily ever after. I mean, it's like, you know, it just doesn't work that way in reality. I mean, like, are you happy? Yes. Like, oh, would I trade my wife for anybody? No. no. But like to say it's easy? Well, oh my gosh. Like, no, I really... no, 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 nobody. I would never trade my wife for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. That's the it's conditioning like... kicking in. Uh, I know. No, oh, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> We have, um, there's so many things now, like you learn how much of like a bad person you are right. when you realize like, I thought this was okay. Cause you can manage how people perceived you when you were, when you're single in that way. And that's not a bad thing. Like singleness is a gift all and of its own. But when you have somebody who is like generally complimentary to you and can see those things and you can't hide, like you're risking that intimacy there to be known. Right. Like you can't ever can't have a deep, deep relationship with anybody unless you're willing to risk being deeply hurt. Like when my wife says something to me and, you know, let's just say that I deserved it. Right. <laughs> like I, I was I was a tool and I flat out deserved what was being said to me. It still hurts because like it those cuts. defenses, if yeah. I'm actually in a relationship, I can't defend myself from that. That's a risk. Right. And I mean. And I think that 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 brutal honesty in a relationship like that is it's also its own risk because that other person is putting themselves out there. But when you get through that and you get through any of these risky situations, like if you're calling a vendor or you're asking someone on a date or you're having an argument, because sometimes an argument can be risky in itself. Brian and I both know. So (laughs) (laughs) but once you get through that, that is the reward. And the reward can be high. You can be a deeper understanding of someone or an understanding of a process or, you know, just starting a new relationship with somebody. And it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. I mean, at one point, Brian and I, I don't even remember when it was, but at one point, Brian and I said, let's hang out. <laughs> and yeah. he said, okay. <laughs> and yeah, that was a, it that led to a lifelong friendship. We could have been bored out of our minds and never, it's like, ah, this is crap. Right. And never done anything. But we did. And... You know, so the, the group of guys that w- that uh, really kind of came into our lives for our lifetime, uh, for some a little bit earlier, but seventh grade especially was kind of the year that we as uh, some of the friends from that era of our life are still in our life. We risked, you know, we had the we had these sleepovers and like we would just like talk about whatever we needed to, and we all listened and we trusted one another, and we weren't like yakking it over all, all over the school and things like that. That really did a lot to solidify something. Sure. In that friendship. Confident. But you yeah. had to risk be confidential. being open about Yeah, it. you had to be open to other people, and it was not even confidential stuff. It was just like, you know, kids stuff. I mean, I don't even yeah. know what kids talk about today. Probably, you know, whatever. The same stuff we did. The same stuff we did, just <laughs> in a different context, you know, different people and everything. But, yeah, yeah I mean, and, and it is about putting yourself out there. It is about a high-risk, high-reward situation. I mean, don't you think, Bri? I do. The application here, I think, Josh, is 
do something that you say, well, I could never do that. That that's kind of scary or I don't want that to break. Right. And try it. I'm not saying like, yeah, I've never like drove on the wrong wrong side of the road on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, don't do don't do that. But like something you know, you know something that even something is small. small. Yeah, a small something. And, and you're gonna realize going like that's what that was? Those little bitty things when you say, Well, you know, well, what if this broke? Is that okay? It's it's worth a shot. And I think you'll be surprised at the type of things that start to open up to go, you know what? I wonder if I pushed on this. It's because that curious spirit to be able to kind of push on something and not be afraid to have it break, but know that you're pushing into something because uh, old men and women have never said, you know what? I'm so glad I played it safe in my life. They're always regretting the things that they didn't try. Everyone does, so, I think. I think even looking back, even though Brian and I are not old, we're like, well, we would be considered, I think, uh, early middle age now because that's how you know that's how people are we're qualifying in yeah law, that's how early people middle age. yeah early middle age <laughs> but you think about stuff that happened in your past and you're like man i wish i had that to do over because i could do that again i'm not i don't really necessarily regret it i just wish i did a different went about it a different way and when you hear, hear successful people talk the only reason why you perceive them as successful is because they weren't afraid to a certain extent to not to, to not to be okay with failure. They absorb a lot of failure to get to that level of success that you see is a straight line. It's not a straight line. No. Anybody who's successful goes like this thing is like the, the worst roller coaster you could imagine. And it is. Yeah. And there's, but, there's risk everywhere and there is yes. nothing that is safe. So you might as well risk. I mean, my challenge to everybody is risk something. It doesn't have to be a lot. You know, it's not going to buy, you can go buy yourself a lottery ticket. You never bought a lottery ticket before. That's risk. You're risking your dollar or whatever. But yeah. you'll kind of get the idea, I think, that bigger risk has a bigger chance of bigger reward. So I'm not, yeah, like Brian said, you know, hey, don't drive on the wrong side of the road. Please don't do that. But, <laughs> and don't do something that can harm somebody. But, right. you know, try something. Try something new. Sounds silly. Like, you go to your favorite restaurant, like, I've never tried that dish before change it up yeah is it a, is it worth the 12 dollar experiment probably probably you might find something that you'd never liked before you know yeah so i think that's so. a great place to put a comma huh, brian i do agree with you my friend until next time this is brian and this is josh for curiosity continuum Thank mm-hmm. you.